Welcome to A Great Big City News, episode 51. Today, Howard Stern saves a New Yorker, and Charging Bull visits the Stock Exchange. If you'd like to support A Great Big City and our podcast, visit agreatbigcity.com support, where individuals can make a one-time or monthly contribution. And if you're a New York area company, visit agreatbigcity.com advertising to view our ad rates and learn more about advertising on the podcast and on the website. Hi, I'm Trey Skilton, founder of A Great Big City. A moment of remembrance this week for Alelia Murphy who I mentioned back in July on episode 30 of the podcast, when she celebrated her birthday as the oldest living American. The Harlem resident died at the end of November at the age of 114 years, 140 days old. Ms. Murphy was born in North Carolina in 1905 and had lived in Harlem since the 1920s. Her funeral was held December the 6th at the United House of Prayer for All People Church on Frederick Douglass Boulevard. She had remained the oldest living American through most of 2019 after the previous oldest American, Lessie Brown, died in January 2019. According to the Gerontology Research Group, the oldest living American is now Hester Ford, born just one month after Miss Murphy in 1905. According to the records at the Gerontology Research Group, the oldest known New Yorker was Susanna Mushat Jones, who was born in 1899 and lived 116 years, 311 days, until her death in 2016 at a senior home in Brooklyn. If you've seen the city streets get increasingly clogged with rideshare cars, it should come as no surprise that New York takes the top spot on Uber's end-of-the-year report of its most traveled-to destinations. The popular locations put a bit of a spotlight on the state of Uber rides in the city. In Uber's report, the Empire State Building topped the list of most traveled to destinations worldwide, with One World Trade Center coming in second place. With the majority of the Empire State Building being filled with office space, it's unlikely that many of the Ubers are locals heading into work, especially as transportation reporter Aaron Gordon wrote on Jalopnik, the Empire State Building is within a 10-minute walk of nearly every single subway line, not to mention PATH trains, Metro North, and the Long Island Railroad. At the World Trade Center, the second most Uber to location worldwide, 12 subway lines and the PATH train stop nearby. The recent rise of ride-sharing in the city has made for a toxic situation. Initially, an unlimited number of ride-share vehicles could hit the city streets, opposed to the limited number of licensed taxis. As subway service got worse, more locals and visitors turned to smartphone apps for the ease of catching a ride. Now, with the streets clogged with vehicles and the MTA suffering under budget shortfalls and unable to increase service, anyone looking to climb the Empire State Building is stuck when trying to figure out how to visit the landmark without spending half their vacation stuck in traffic or stuck in a subway tunnel. Congestion pricing, which is set to take effect one year from now at the earliest, would tax vehicles entering Manhattan and use the extra revenue to fund improvements to MTA service. Other proposals, like City Council Speaker Corey Johnson trying to convince Mayor de Blasio to duplicate the 14th Street busway in Midtown Streets on 34th or 42nd, would also help replace the caravan of crosstown Ubers with city buses that would alleviate the gridlock near the Empire State Building. 
According to the DOT's 2019 Mobility Report, on 34th, 42nd, and 57th Street, over 50% of the traffic is composed of taxis and rideshare vehicles, and traffic speeds in Midtown are 30% slower compared to the rest of Manhattan south of 59th Street, with vehicles creeping along at just 4.9 miles per hour. On a somewhat positive note, the busiest days for Uber across the entire country were St. Patrick's Day and Halloween, so at least people were turning to Uber as their designated driver. With Thanksgiving pushed up toward December this year, the Christmas tree lightings are already happening. Check out the A Great Big City list of tree and menorah lightings across the city at agreatbigcity.com slash Christmas or agreatbigcity.com slash Hanukkah, where there are currently 41 lightings scheduled across the city. If you don't see your local event on the list, drop us a note and we'll put up the info whether it's the Rockefeller Center Tree or just a neighborhood gathering to hang homemade ornaments on an evergreen in the local park. Five years ago, on December 5th, 2014, Korean Air Flight 86 is forced to return to the gate at JFK Airport after Korean Air Vice President Heather Cho throws a temper tantrum over the serving of in-flight macadamia nuts. After being served macadamia nuts in a bag instead of in a porcelain bowl, the Vice President reportedly demanded that the plane return to the gate and that the flight attendant be removed. After the incident became internationally known, Cho resigned from one of her positions within Korean Air, and was convicted in South Korea of obstructing airline security and served three months of a 12-month sentence. Korean Air was also forced to pay the flight attendant $18,000 after they attempted to coerce him to drop his case against the airline. As of early 2019, Heather Cho, the vice president at the center of the nut rage incident, was also accused of abusing her husband and their children after she was released from prison in 2015. Back in episode 49 of the podcast, we covered the closing of Ellis Island in 1954 and talked about how the historic brick buildings were almost torn down and replaced with a futuristic city designed by Frank Lloyd Wright. But 119 years ago, on December 17, 1900, the new Ellis Island Processing Center opened after a fire destroyed the original wood buildings. These new buildings are the current brick and limestone structure seen on the island today and were constructed at a cost at the time of $1.5 million. The cause of the fire in 1897 that destroyed the original wood buildings was unknown, and it destroyed nearly all the immigration records dating back to 1855. The main wooden structure itself had only been completed five years before the fire. Although the new brick buildings were quite grand, the accommodations were still too small to process the influx of immigrants and the physical size of the island itself continued to be expanded through 1934 using ship ballast and debris from subway excavation that was dumped along the shoreline to expand the size of the islands. 
New buildings were built as the island expanded and the need for services grew. In just seven years after reopening, Ellis Island would reach the peak of its immigration processing when 1.2 million new Americans were evaluated at the island in 1907, nearly equal to the number of new immigrants seen entering the country in recent years. Despite the country now having a population 3.5 times larger than it was in 1907, Twenty-five years ago, on December 7, 1994, Howard Stern and a passing motorist save a man threatening to jump from the George Washington Bridge. Up on the bridge. Why are you, uh, why are you killing yourself? Because life sucks sometimes, you know? And I've been here before. I come here often to, like, think, and I regret the moment that I haven't jumped earlier. What do you got? You got a job? Yeah, of course. And you've got a wife. Yeah. Is she nice? She's all right. Not great. Hello? Hmm. Well, I guess he jumped. Hello? Oh, I thought you jumped. Hello? Hello? Oh, boy. Hello? What a time to have breakup. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, what happened? What a time to have your phone go kaput. <laughs> My battery's running low. Oh. oh so man. am I, so... No, 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 no. Just relax. You have kids? Yeah. Oh. oh man. I might join you, so don't let me think about it for a second. I'm sick of living, too. Well, in general, tell me what it is about life that really sucks to, you know, enough to get you on well, the Well, first of all, Tom Chipasano yesterday says to me that, <laughs> oh, you're asking this guy? I didn't mean you. Oh, oh. The 29-year-old man called in to Stern's radio show from the middle of the bridge on a cell phone, intending to jump to his death. Stern kept him talking and asked drivers passing by on the George Washington Bridge to honk their horns so that both Stern and the radio audience could hear that the call was not a hoax. Brooklyn resident Helen Trimble heard the broadcast and saw the police helicopter at the bridge, so she stopped her car on the bridge, found the man, and bear-hugged him until police arrived. Someone pulled over. Someone pulled over? Yeah. Let me talk to the guy. It's a, I think it's a female. Ooh, oh, wait hey, a second. Life's looking up. Hey, yeah. man, you can meet a girl. That'll keep you alive. Let me talk to Howard. Let me talk to you. Hello? Howard, I heard you talking. Yes. I'm a passerby. He's serious. Oh, he is? All right, then let me... I'm blocking traffic. I'm here with him. All right, let me talk him down. Wait one minute. All right, give me that phone. I'm a professional. Uh oh, what do I say? He's not on the side of the bridge where he could jump. He's still, like, sort of walking around. Yeah. You're not, like, right over the edge of the bridge yet where you could jump. You're, like, on the side where people walk, right? Of course. Right. How would I speak with if I'm on the side? Hi. You think she's going to come out here and join me? Thank you for your cool. How is she? Is she nice looking? Nah. No, good? Fat cow. Big fat cow? Oh, look at you. Terrible. Woman pulled over to help you. You called her a fat cow. I'm all right. (laughs) Well, you got kids. Listen, I always look at it this way. I, uh, listen, there have been times in my life where I've looked at... Everyone is hopping, Howard. Good. I'll be okay. You're going to be all right? I'm talking to her. Uh, everyone's stopping. I was going to be traffic here. I don't want don't no stop. Action. Keep going. Well, that's good that they're stopping. What? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> oh, boy. That's how I met Robin. I was on a bridge. <laughs> Listen to me. What's what? your first name? Give me a name. I'm known by Prince. What's up? All right, your name is Prince, or are you formally known as Prince? Yes, there you go. All right, you are Prince? Yeah. Listen, Prince, let me tell you something. Yeah. You see me? Yeah. You haven't jumped yet. I, if Let me tell you something. You might think so, life's a bed of roses for right. me or someone like that, but it's not. You gotta wait till my book comes out. How yeah, you you got, let me tell you what you got to look The entire encounter played out live on Stern's show, 
including impromptu interviews with the man who was in distress, the woman who stopped to rescue him, and the police responding to the scene. The man in distress, Emilio Benilla, was taken into Port Authority Police custody and went on to see a psychiatrist. Speaking to the Bronx Beat, the graduate student newspaper at Columbia University, two months after the phone call, Mr. Bonilla described what led him to consider ending his life that day. Quote, I didn't want to be average anymore, working nine to five, he said. I knew there had to be more out there, but each time I tried, I was getting chopped down. If you or anyone you know has been thinking about self-harm, you can find anonymous resources 24 hours a day at 1-800-273-TALK, 273-8255, or from the Samaritans NYC, online at samaritansnyc.org, and at 212-673-3000. After hanging up with police responding to the scene, the stern show continued in a bit of disbelief after what had happened with the call, and they discussed how to handle the request for interviews that were beginning to come in. Stern credited his sense of humor with saving the man, saying that he kept him on the phone by not dismissing his complaints about life, but focusing on making him laugh. Congressmember Jose Serrano, Senator Al Diamato, and former Mayor Ed Koch all called in to congratulate Stern, and both Helen Trimble, who bear-hugged the man in distress, and NYPD Lieutenant Bleeker, who rescued the man, later arrived at the studio and took part in a press conference. We did want to thank you very much for talking them down during a very tense situation. Thank you, Lieutenant. And uh, as a uh, Howard Stern fan over the years, I uh, did appreciate the way that uh, you handle yourself. Thank you very much. I uh, felt some pressure there, but I came through beautifully. Were you scared at any moment? Um, well, Robin, that's an interesting question. Lieutenant, as you know, in a crisis situation, uh, many people do panic. i got to tell you something. While I was nervous, I kept my head about me. <laughs> And I, I kind of feel like I've set a good example for the children of America. Thank you. Well, Nothing throws me. Right. Well, we do want to thank you for resolving what could have been a tragic situation. We do have the gentleman here with us. And as I did say, we're going to have him examined for... Uh, hey, put the, fo put the phone on him. I want him to thank me personally. I was sorry. feel like that. The, the traffic is such that we don't have an opportunity to do that, but uh, we did want to thank you very much for uh, resolving what could have been a very serious situation well, at the Lieutenant moment. In recent years, after a series of temporary fences were installed along the George Washington Bridge, a permanent fence was finally installed on both walkways to prevent people in distress from being able to so easily jump from the bridge. Between 70 and 80 people have attempted to jump from the bridge each year in the late 2010s. Unfortunately, Howard Stern wasn't on the air when another person in distress attempted to end their life 40 years ago on December 2, 1979, when Elvita Adams attempted to jump from the Empire State Building, but was saved after hitting a ledge 20 feet below. Investigators suggested that she may have been pushed back toward the building by a strong wind gust. A safety fence had been installed after a spate of suicides throughout 1947, but she somehow climbed past it while guards weren't looking. The architecture of the Empire State Building features a small offset portion directly below the observation deck where Miss Adams landed after attempting the jump. Although the story of Miss Adams' jump is routinely featured in lists of amazing facts about the Empire State Building, her jump and the outcome is not as uncommon as it seems. 
An original news story from the time of her jump mentioned a similar suicidal jumper two years earlier who was saved in a similar way after landing on the platform below the observation deck. But seemingly that tourist from Hawaii who made that jump two years earlier didn't receive the same attention or generate any folk tales about being saved by a divine gust of wind. And another one of our favorite topics here at a great big city, the Charging Bull statue down on Wall Street. The statue's coming up on 30 years old after it was placed in front of the stock exchange overnight on December 15, 1989. Arturo de Modica's 7,100-pound bronze statue, Charging Bull, was secretly installed overnight near the New York Stock Exchange Christmas tree as a gift to the people of New York. The Wall Street Bull was initially confiscated and sent to an NYPD impound lot since it was installed illegally. But six days later, it was relocated to Bowling Green Park, where it still stands today. Artwork is usually only on display in city parks for a one-year term, so the sculpture's temporary display at Bowling Green since 1989 is a unique case in the city. The artist still owns the bull, and the parks department does not purchase art, so Demodica has tried to sell the bull to someone on the condition that they immediately donate it to the city and leave it in place. That attempt at a sale doesn't seem to have been successful, and Demodica continues to fight with the city, including earlier this year, when the city seemed to finalize plans to move the Wall Street bull. On March 7, 2017, the Fearless Girl statue was placed in front of the bull. Although made in a similar style, Fearless Girl was made by a different artist and was granted an official 30-day permit to stand in Bowling Green in recognition of International Women's Day. Demodica was a vocal critic of the new sculpture's placement, which he said was an advertising trick that exploited his sculpture for commercial purposes because it was commissioned by State Street Global Advisors as part of their marketing The temporary permit for Fearless Girl was extended due to its popularity, but by December 10, 2018, the Fearless Girl statue was relocated from Bowling Green to a permanent location outside the New York Stock Exchange building. At the time when Fearless Girl was moved last year, there were rumors that the Wall Street Bull might be next, and throughout 2019 the mayor's office seemed to indicate that the plan was being finalized but there's still been no official announcement about where the bull might be moved. And the city has cited safety concerns about the growing crowds gathered in the middle of Broadway to see the bull. The sculptor, Arturo de Modica, has argued that if the bull is moved back to the New York Stock Exchange, where it was initially placed, that the bull would then go from being the charging bull to the New York Stock Exchange bull. City Hall seemed dedicated to moving the statue despite Arturo de Modica's objections but no time frame or plan has been provided. Today's podcast is brought to you by City Survival, the A Great Big City Holiday Gift Guide. Whether it's a tiny replica of a fire escape to hang on your wall, or a gadget that may one day help you escape a stalled subway train, find all your gifts this year through our gift guide and your purchases will financially benefit a great big city. Visit agreatbigcity.com slash gift guide to find our recommendations for making city life a bit more dignified in the upcoming year.
Park of the Day, Haviland Playground, at Haviland Avenue and Watson Avenue in the Bronx. Situated on land that was part of the Pugsley Farm and named for the earlier landowners, Joseph and Mary Haviland. The playground also serves as the playground for the adjacent school IS-125. In Parks events, check out our list of Christmas tree and menorah lightings across the city for some of the week's upcoming tree lightings, since most of them are taking place in public parks. Now let's see where our robot friend will be spreading holiday cheer this week on the concert calendar. Here's the AGBC concert calendar for the upcoming week. Elena Castillo is playing Rockwood Music Hall on Saturday, December 7th. The Hold Steady are playing Brooklyn Bowl on Saturday, December 7th. The Magnetic Fields are playing Symphony Space on Saturday, December 7th. Manchester Orchestra, Boxing, and Oso Oso are playing Brooklyn Steel on Saturday, December 7th. Beverly Glen Copeland is playing Mo MAPS1 on Sunday, December 8th. Summer Walker and Millie are playing Terminal 5 on Sunday, December 8th at 8 p.m. The Pixies are playing Webster Hall on Monday, December 9th. Bass Drum of Death is playing the Broadway on Monday, December 9th. Camp and Savannah Conley are playing Brooklyn Steel on Tuesday, December 10th. Dimashk Tybergen is playing Barclays Center on Tuesday, December 10th at 7 p.m. Mavis Staples and Nathaniel Ratliff and the Night Sweats are playing the Beacon Theater on Tuesday, December 10th at 8 p.m. Agnostic Front, Eat Lead, and Sick of It All are playing Bowery Electric on Wednesday, December 11th. Billy Joel is playing Madison Square Garden on Wednesday, December 11th at 8 p.m. Real Close is playing The Bowman on Thursday, December 12th. Da Baby is playing Terminal 5 on Thursday, December 12th at 8 p.m. Omar Apollo is playing Brooklyn Steel on Thursday, December 12th at 8 p.m. Mongol Horde is playing Market Hotel on Friday, December 13th. Obituary, False Prophet, and Extinction AD are playing St. Vitus Bar on Friday, December 13th. Darren Gray is playing Gramercy Theatre on Friday, December 13th. The Jingle Ball with Taylor Swift, Jonas Brothers, Camila Cabello, and more are playing Madison Square Garden on Friday, December 13th at 7 p.m. And Lindsay Sterling is playing New Jersey Performing Arts Center on Friday, December 13th at 8 p.m. Thanks for listening. Find more fun things to do at agreatbigcity.com slash events. Here's something you may not have known about New York. The Port Authority of New York and New Jersey oversees a port district area that's loosely defined as a 25-mile radius around the Statue of Liberty. Extreme highs and lows for this week in weather history. It was 75 degrees back in 1998 on December the 7th, and only 3 degrees in 1876. Weather for the week ahead. Highs in the 40s, rising to a high of 62 degrees on Tuesday, with a chance of light rain on Monday and Tuesday. Thanks for listening to A Great Big City. Follow along 24 hours a day on social media at A Great Big City, or email contact at agreatbigcity.com with any news, feedback, or topic suggestions. Subscribe to A Great Big City News wherever you listen to podcasts, iTunes, Google Play, 
Spotify, Player FM, or listen to each episode on the podcast pages at agreatbigcity.com slash podcast. If you enjoy the show, subscribe and leave a review wherever you're listening and visit our podcast site to see show notes and extra links for each episode. Our intro and outro music is Start the Day by Lee Rosefear, and the concert calendar music is from jukedeck.com. Thanks for being part of a great big city.